This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. Evictions have been on hold in California during the COVID-19 pandemic, but not for long. The state courts will start processing evictions again September 1st. San Francisco Assemblyman David Chu says that if the state legislature doesn't intervene, there will be a catastrophic wave of evictions and a spike in homelessness. He has a proposal to help, but not much time to get it passed. He's also deeply concerned about the terrible state of California's unemployment office and the backlog of more than one million people who can't get the money they're owed. Assemblyman David Chu, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me back, Heather. Haven't seen you in a long time. I know. It's, uh, you know, these things happen. Pandemic, recession. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How you doing? How's, how's your family? Uh, we're hanging in there, getting used to these same four walls. How's your 2020 going? Uh, my four-year-old is bouncing off the wall. <laughs> I bet. Too addicted to electronic devices for his age and has an uncanny ability to pop up in Zooms. And <laughs> But uh, I have just locked the door, so hopefully he won't. Oh, I wanted him to join us. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time. Okay. Well, I know you've been really focused on a potential wave of evictions that may hit California in just a couple of weeks. Um, the state courts have not been processing evictions during the COVID-19 pandemic, but the Judicial Council has said that that will end um, as of September 1st. And um, can you kind of explain what that means for California, in your opinion, if no action is taken in Sacramento? If no action is taken in, in Sacramento, it would be catastrophic for our state. We would very likely see a wave of massive evictions and foreclosures um, rivaling anything we have seen. It would dwarf what happened during the Great Recession. The challenge is um, we've had millions of Californians who are out of work and have seen a significant drop in their income. Uh, during the last four and a half, five months, uh, the Judicial Council, which is the judiciary branch, has, has put in place a temporary eviction moratorium. In other words, no one can get evicted during the stay-at-home time. But mm -hmm. That is about to be lifted in two weeks. And if we don't change state law, we have millions of Californians who may have missed a rent payment or a couple of rent payments. All of those payments will be due immediately. And if they can't pay their landlord immediately, they could be evicted within a matter of days or weeks. That wow. is the catastrophe we're concerned about. It would lead to an, an, an unfathomable level of homelessness and COVID-19 spread. We can't allow it to happen. Why is the Judicial Council wanting to end its uh, moratorium? Well, uh, with due respect to the judiciary, they have always felt that this is in the purview of the executive branch and the legislative branch to pass new laws in this area. And I want to thank the judiciary branch for putting this moratorium in place as long as they have. They had uh, thought to lift the moratorium earlier. Uh, we had requested on multiple occasions that they not lift it um, during the summer or, uh, or uh, they were going to lift it as early as this Friday. And we asked them to push it to September 1st to give us the time to hammer out uh, changes to state law with the blessing of the governor to, to move this forward. Mm -hmm. um, and 
like you said, it could create a wave of homelessness, which obviously we already have a wave of homelessness that has hit since the pandemic, which it was bad even before the pandemic, you know, in California has really struggled to find any kind of answer to that. So do you think that this would just make it that much worse? Oh, it absolutely would. I mean, it's, it would be gasoline on fire, just a horrific situation. We have so many folks who are already struggling in their homes, sheltering in place, uh, who are going into extreme debt, uh, you know, depleting their life savings, uh, challenging, figure out how to put food on the table or to pay the rent. And the idea that somehow all back rent would be immediately due, say, September 1st, um, or, or tenants would face an eviction, that would be catastrophic. So you do have a proposal in Sacramento um, that would address this. Can you explain exactly what it would do? Sure. There, there are two halves to the proposal. One would be to enact tenant protections. The other would be to provide mortgage forbearance to homeowners and struggling uh, landlords. So let's talk about the tenant protections. Eviction law has really only existed to help landlords get their property back. It's never been a particularly good way to allow a landlord to collect uh, pass rent. And in this instance, uh, what we're all concerned about is you have all these tenants who, for no fault of their own, uh, have not been able to pay rent, and, uh, and on September 1st, the landlord could simply go to court and, and start filing uh, what they need to to evict tenants within a matter of, of weeks. So what we have proposed is that, uh, is that eviction should not occur simply to, uh, to collect that back rent. We want to give tenants a period of time to get back up on their feet to be able to pay back their landlord. If we don't change the law, tenants will get evicted and landlords will never get the monies that they're owed. If we give everybody a little bit of time and we don't evict the tenants, we'll give the opportunity for tenants to get back up on their feet and for landlords to be made whole, and that is the goal of our bill. The other aspect of our bill, we certainly have heard from struggling homeowners as well as landlords who are impacted by tenants who can't pay the rent. And so we have proposed uh, that all property owners in the state receive mortgage forbearance, which is the idea that, uh, that they receive six or 12 months if they need it to be able to pay back their mortgage. Uh, we scale it based on the size of a property. So for single family homeowners and for smaller property owners who own buildings of four units or less, they would receive up to 12 months of mortgage forbearance, which is what the federal uh, which is what federal law already allows for certain federally backed mortgages, but not all mortgages. And then for larger apartment uh, uh, buildings, so units uh, five and larger, they would receive up to six months of mortgage forbearance. As a whole, this package addresses holistically uh, the needs of struggling tenants, homeowners, and, uh, and landlords. Mm-hmm. And we're in such a holding pattern economically, especially in San Francisco with so many businesses not allowed to open and the ones that are opening are not making anywhere near the revenue that they used to. So how will any of these workers and business owners ever make up all that back rent um, if they can't ever make money? It's, you know, it's such a cycle. Well, the, the point of what we're trying to do is we want to give, let's say, a year for tenants to be able to get back up on their feet and pay the rent that is due as well as give homeowners and landlords a year to earn that money from their tenants or otherwise to be able to pay back their mortgages. So, so basically put a pause on evictions, 
and mortgage foreclosures so mm-hmm. that we stabilize people in their homes at a time when we all need to be sheltering in place and staying at home. So that's the, that's the thrust of the bill. Um, if we don't have these tenant protections, if we don't have these uh, forbearance protections, I'm incredibly concerned that we're going to see a massive wave of evictions and foreclosures that rivals nothing we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. And you announced some good news um, just recently, which is that nine big city mayors backed the plan, including London Breed here in San Francisco, Libby Schaff in Oakland, Eric Garcetti in LA, and Sam Licardo in San Jose. Um, with that kind of support, what are the odds that something can get done? Because I know it's a big lift you know, to complete, list, complete this by the end of August. Well, tenant protections are never easy to enact in Sacramento historically, but I think all policymakers understand we're in a crisis of epic proportions. And um, since the federal government has not been able to stabilize the situation as we had hoped, um, California, we've got to we've got to save our folks uh, and help our 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 California constituents uh, continue to, to to live in their homes. So mm-hmm. I very much appreciate the announcement of many of our big city mayors in California. Um, I should also mention there is a Senate bill that has proposed uh, billions of dollars of tax credits and tax breaks to landlords uh, to likely be used by the larger landlords and. Uh, I'm open to that. Um, it's a complementary idea to what we have, but I think first and foremost, we need to ensure that tenants are protected from evictions and homeowners and struggling uh, landlords are protected from mortgage foreclosure. What are the odds that you can get this? You need two thirds, right? We need two thirds um, for either bill. Um, listen, I think our colleagues know we have to do something. We can't let the session end midnight of August the 31st without having done something. Uh, but uh, these bills are always very difficult. So we're having round-the-clock conversations with the governor's office and colleagues to, to hammer this out. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. I know another big area of focus for you um, during this horrible time has been improving the state unemployment office, which has just, you know, been a disaster for several months with unemployment claims just sometimes not getting processed at all and people who are out of work being left with nothing. And you hear stories about people phoning over and over and over again and just getting no response, no money. Um, What is the problem? What are you finding out as you delve into this? It has been absolutely heartbreaking, the situation involving EDD. Um, every day, every hour, my, my staff, my office, were fielding phone calls um, from just desperate residents who, to your point, have called dozens if not hundreds of times into an EDD system. Uh, if they win the lottery and actually get to a live human being, oftentimes that person can't tell them the answer that they're looking for or they're told someone's going to call them back and no one calls them back. There has been very little accountability on the part of EDD and how they are uh, not treating Californians with the dignity and respect that they need during this incredible time period. 
layer on top of that, the fact that EDD has relied on a completely antiquated IT system. The technology that EDD uses is a 30-year-old system based on a 60-year-old computer language. Oh my gosh. Whole ball programming language. And uh, that- Even in California, tech capital, that's crazy. It's uh, it's crazy, although unfortunately not uncommon for a lot of uh, bureaucratic public sector agencies. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it, this has been particularly heartbreaking uh, because EDD has known about this for the better part of a decade. In fact, during the Great Recession, their systems failed in exactly the same way as they're failing now. And EDD knew its IT systems were failing. Uh, they spent over a quarter billion dollars, $259 million on one vendor, Deloitte, who was supposed to, through a series of contracts over the past decade, reform the system. And, and failed miserably at it, and here we are. So wow. there's an IT situation, there's a bureaucratic inertia, real customer service challenges. Um, it's, it's untenable. So what can you and the state legislature do about it? Well, uh, so very recently, um, I authored a letter that 71 legislators signed. It was uh, a bipartisan effort to ask the governor to consider a wide range of, of reforms. Uh, we need everything from rehauling the information technology to reorienting the agency in a customer-focused way uh, to, uh, we, we had suggested to the governor that he bring uh, an EDD strike team made up of, of the best and brightest within government and outside of government to come in and basically do an analysis and make recommendations on what needs to be reformed. EDD's leadership, from my perspective, has been pretty recalcitrant and uh, been unwilling to do the changes that they need. And, and let me say, I don't, um, this is a problem that Governor Newsom inherited. Uh, I know he's, uh, it's easy to, to, to blame the guy uh, who's running uh, state government at this point, but this predates him by many, many years. But the fact of the matter is, this is the crisis in front of us and we need to fix it. What are some of the real stories you're hearing from people who are just banging their head up against a wall to get any kind of money out of this office? And it's money that they're due. It's not like, you know, it seems to be just a matter of process. They're not applying for some money that they're not actually owed. You know, that, they're supposed to get it. That's what's so crazy about this in, in this situation. Um, you know, our 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 neighbors, our 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 family members, people are waiting for money uh, that they are due. Uh, and what was so frustrating about the experience in the last couple of months is we've been asking EDD how many people are in this situation and their director and her public affairs folks kept saying oh it's not a lot of people it's a small fraction of people and we found out that the number is at least 1.1 million and likely much higher of folks who are due benefits which is and when we pressed the EDD director on this and asked what's the plan to clear this backlog, they only have a plan to quickly clear about a quarter million of these claims in the next, you know, before the end of September, but they don't have a real plan on how they're going to address some 900,000 claims that are just sitting there. And, and the real human suffering that's happening right now when you have folks that are going into extreme uh, debt and, and depleting their entire higher life savings. The worst story I heard recently was a colleague of mine who had a constituent um, whose economics had spiraled dramatically um, and who committed suicide over this. And oh my gosh. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's horrifying, tragic. Um, this situation has to change. 
Wow, that's really sad. Um, Well, San Francisco did have the rare piece of good news this week when Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris to be his vice presidential pick. How did you feel when you heard the news? You've known her for a long time. I was absolutely thrilled. Uh, She and I were colleagues together in the San Francisco DA's office in the late 1990s. We worked closely on many, many issues before she was even elected. Uh, I was honored to be part of her first kitchen cabinet. And uh, to remember the days uh, when we were all prosecutors in the San Francisco DA's office and when she was 6% in the polls, <laughs> the first poll when she first ran for DA to having our friend and San Francisco daughter Kamala Harris as the uh, Democratic nominee for vice president, it's, it's amazing. So not wood, we got a lot of work to do. Uh, yeah. Can't count this race out, but uh, uh, yesterday, this week has been a great week for San Francisco and, and for our friend Kamala. Yes, and just um, a little tidbit of San Francisco history. When she became attorney general in Sacramento, your name was floated to replace her as district attorney, and you turned it down. You told um, then-Mayor Gavin Newsom that you didn't want the job. Do you ever regret that? You know, I don't, I don't really regret past decisions like this. Uh, Life is too short and, uh, and, and new doors open up. And uh, uh, I, I feel like I'm in exactly the place I need to be right now representing San Francisco in the state legislature during this time period. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, thanks for reminding me of that, that history. <laughs> that memory's lane. <laughs> uh, what do you think is gonna happen on November 3rd? Uh, beside our profound hope that uh, we take our country back and uh, Joe Biden becomes next president and Kamala Harris becomes the vice president and hopefully we take back the United States Senate. You know, listen, um, between the pandemic, the recession, a national intense reckoning around structural racism, there are just so many things that we need to do. We need uh, leadership at all levels of government that are working together with our communities to move us forward. And uh, knock on wood, hopefully good things happen in Washington. We need we need a partner in Washington that can help us. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just take this situation involving EDD. Um, when Donald Trump and his Republican allies were unable to come to an agreement with uh, Speaker Pelosi on extending unemployment, he then went and issued this crazy uh, pronouncement that he could, like a dictator, just uh, decide that Americans would see their unemployment benefits cut in half. Um, One, his pronouncement was unconstitutional, likely. But two, the idea that somehow in states like California, $300 a week is going to cut it uh, mm-hmm. is is sadly preposterous. And uh, we're seeing so much suffering because of bad decisions right now coming out of the White House. And now today, Congress has gone on recess, you know, without having dealt with this until early September. So it doesn't make- it's just going to be worse. I know the Democrats are ready to go anytime, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, the Republican leadership uh, thinks this is the right thing to do at this moment. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, I do have a few lightning round questions. You answered some of these on my old podcast, San Francisco City Insider, but fifth and mission listeners have not heard you. So okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> where is your favorite place in the city to get a burrito? Uh, La Taqueria. <laughs> what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Oh, favorite movie film. There are so many. I probably would have to say The Rock. I, yeah, that's I, a good I one. See your your uh, <laughs> and your uh, your screen your uh, your screen behind you. Yes. Um, where's your favorite place back when bars were open about a decade ago to get a stiff drink? Oh, any of the bars on Polk Street. Yeah, you used to live there, right? I'm a big Polk Street guy. Yeah. What was your first concert? Uh, 
I'm trying to think if it was a U2 concert, a Rush concert, or Suzanne Vega. Um, okay. <laughs> it's all a blur. Yeah. What was the last book you read? Uh, I am in the process. <laughs> this is going to sound kind of morbid to say, but I'm reading The Great Influenza. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, I've been putting it off for months, and then... Uh, and then we started coming out of, you know, the curve started flattening and I started reading it and then I didn't, but I'm just, I'm just sucked into this story of what happened in 1918 and uh, how, how public leaders dealt with that. What did they do any better? <coughs> um, excuse me. Um, yeah, sort of, <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, every pandemic, um, you have leaders in every corner of the world that are grappling with how to address the crisis at hand and some do better than others. And uh, this book lays out what happened in science and government and in different jurisdictions around the country and world. Um, and uh, to some degree, it's scary what lessons we did not learn from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not very good at learning lessons. Yeah. You, you once described San Francisco politics as a knife fight in a phone booth. Do you still consider that an accurate description? <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. Uh, although because I'm not at City Hall, I don't engage in those knife fights. <laughs> and I think the other part of the analogy was I described Sacramento politics as a series of multi-dimensional chess games, although we have our, our fair share of knife fights up in Sacramento. So yeah. you know, this is politics, but, uh, but, but San Francisco uh, does know how to play pretty intense politics. And this pandemic has been really hard on working parents whose kids cannot go to school or, you know, not very many childcare facilities are open. How are you coping as a very busy dad with a four-year-old? I have to admit, uh, while it has been amazing to spend time with, with our son, um, he's bouncing off the walls. Uh -huh. I'm way too addicted to electronic devices. Uh, pops up in too many Zooms and podcasts. And uh, <laughs> uh, and I think we, we all can't wait until he can go back to nursery school. Um, my wife and I, uh, she is an essential worker. We're both kind of working around the clock through our devices. And uh, it's uh, uh, no lie. It's been, uh, it's been really challenging. Mm -hmm. Yep, I can relate. Um, what is the first thing you'll do after shelter in place ends that you're not allowed to do now? Oh, I can't wait to actually see friends. I mean, yeah. to physically see people, um, that would be amazing. Uh, being able to go eat at hopefully, you know, restaurants around town that have been really struggling, we're just praying that they're gonna make it. Um, going, to, going to large concerts. Uh, I actually had a whole series of reserve tickets at Symphony and, and at other concerts when we went into shelter in place. Uh, and uh, we just love to go back and listen to live music and, and, uh, and, you know, listen, as an elected official, I typically spend my nights going to uh, different community events and just seeing people and, and being mm -hmm. able to do that um, as opposed to the emptier streets uh, and these, uh, and the zoom rooms. Yeah. I hope I never have to be on zoom again. <laughs> I have to admit, I probably won't miss zoom if we can, no. you know, if the vaccine comes and we, we don't have yes. to for a while. And last question, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Um, well, I, I, you know, in the last four and a half months, I've been able to tuck my son into bed every night, which is amazing. And just being able to read to him every night. He, even as a four-year-old, I think has gotten tired of it. He wants mama to do it. Uh, yeah. But I, I've basically tried to monopolize that time of my, uh, my son's life. 
Great. Well, it was really nice to see you, and I hope to see you in real life sometime soon. I hope so, too. Hope you are hanging in there, too, and good luck with you and your family. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you to David Chu for joining me today, to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode, and to you for listening. 